This episode of the Jack Vita Show is presented to you by Fanatics. Things are really heating up right now in sports. I'm talking NLDS, ALDS games all week long. Big time in the MLB playoffs. We're just getting started, but it's going to be a great next few weeks in Major League Baseball. If you're an NBA fan, NBA Finals are going on. I don't think that'll be going on for too much longer. (laughs) So if you want to pre-order your LA Lakers Finals Championship Celebration gear, you can go ahead and do so at jackvita.com slash fanatics. You can find t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, hats, anything under the sun over there. We haven't even mentioned NFL and college football, Saturdays and Sundays. Lots of great gear over at jackvita.com slash fanatics. And every time that you purchase through that link, jackvita.com slash fanatics, this podcast is funded financially. So it's a pretty sweet deal. I hope you will go and check that out. Our second sponsor for the day As always, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by CBS All Access. A lot of people are ditching cable these days. That means that on Saturdays and Sundays, they want to be able to watch college football. There are SEC games on every Saturday on CBS. There are local NFL games every Sunday. And if you don't have cable, you're missing out. You aren't able to watch those games. But you can subscribe to CBS All Access and you can stream those games live. You can watch live TV on CBS. You'll also have access to CBS Sports HQ. It's a 24-7 sports news network. Pretty great. I've enjoyed it on there. In addition to that, you will enjoy a rich library of content filled with CBS original shows, long-term classic series, some movies, and over 70-plus Viacom properties. That means Nickelodeon, CMT, Comedy Central, Spike, MTV, all over there on CBS All Access. Sign up today and get a one-week free trial. If you end up keeping it $5.99 a month, Get your free one-week trial when you go to jackvita.com slash CBS. That will also do a lot of good for this podcast as that's another way that this podcast can be financially supported. I've enjoyed watching Survivor, Big Brother, The Challenge, a number of shows, Everybody Hates Chris. There's a lot of good stuff. So why don't you go and check out that library? You don't know what you're missing out on. Once again, that link, jackvita.com slash TBS. Now, let's get to today's show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action here on a Sunday evening, October 4th, 2020. Feeling great on this Sunday night. Wow, what a great week it was for the wild card round of the Major League Baseball playoffs. So much to dissect and get into everything we saw over the past week. We will also preview what we can expect from the division series, which begins tomorrow. We're going to have games on every single night this week, hopefully, and it is going to be a lot of fun. 
Let me bring in my guest for the day. You guys are going to, I know he always does really well ratings wise. Whenever he stops in on the podcast, he does a fantastic job and it's always a lot of fun speaking with him. Jonathan Jaggard. How are you, JJ? Yeah, I'm uh, doing great, Jack. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, excited to be back on. It's been a little bit uh, excited to talk baseball with you. Um, I'm actually out here from sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, so uh, a little bit far from you, but uh, been able to listen to your podcast a bit, enjoying it, um, enjoying following the same sports as you, so I'm very excited to catch up and uh, get everybody filled in on what's going on in the MLB playoffs. Great stuff. I'm glad to have you calling in all the way from the Western time zone, right? Are you on the West Coast time zone now, Pacific time zone? Yeah, they uh, so we're two hours behind you right yeah, now. Yeah, that's uh, correct. Your central time, but we don't do uh, daylight savings time. It's weird. I guess oh, they lucky don't you. care for their farmers here. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they don't have any love for their farmers out here, so they just kind of don't observe that. Uh, it's a cultural thing, I guess. So we'll be <laughs> one hour apart in no time. Cool. Well, I mean, I hate it when it gets dark early. So I'm sure uh, that'll be a nice, refreshing break for you personally. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to not have to spring forward or fall back. So, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things that it's a double-edged sword where you love it and then you hate it. So, it's better <laughs> to just be consistent and roll with uh, yeah. the punches of normal life and not have to get an hour stolen from you or anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, JJ, we have so much to discuss from the world of baseball over the past week. Uh, where should we begin? What was the big headliner for you coming out around one? Man, you know, it was so much fun. I was able to watch, obviously I'm a big Yankees fan, so I watched the two Yankees games, but also able to watch a, a lot of the other series. So it was super fun because I really wasn't following many of these other teams uh, throughout the regular season. So it was really cool. My biggest surprise uh, and takeaway was, I thought it was hilarious that both the AL and NL Central are not going to be represented <laughs> moving forward here. Pretty funny that uh, neither of those divisions were able to muster a, a playoff team past the wild card round. So really <laughs> show that the, the power is uh, on the coast. And um, it's pretty great that all four of these matchups are uh, interdivisional. So, um, you know, you've got AL East, uh, AL West, NL East, NL West facing off. So it's, uh, you know, all four are teams that have been playing each other a lot this season, a lot of bad blood. So my, my takeaway was that um, pretty funny what happened with the, the AL and the NL Central. So um, <laughs> disappointing to not see either Chicago team really do anything. But um, I think that the, the Sox are looking up and the Cubs are uh, looking down for sure. <laughs> now I'll stick up for the Midwest here for a second because – Okay, let's let's talk about the AL West. So the Houston Astros have a losing record, but they get a six seed because they finish second in the AL West. It's not like that division's any great. AL East only had two, well, they had three playoff teams. That's a good division, I guess. But AL West, nothing spectacular. You Then you could go to the NL West. They only had two playoff teams. And NLE, same thing, only two playoff teams. So I don't, 
I think that it there really was no super powerful division this year. And I think the NL Central was competitive in that those teams were all okay, but no one was really all that great. So that, I think that's a product of what happened. And also, you look at some of the matchups. Now, AL Central, those games were pathetic. We'll talk about those. But in the NL case, I mean, I, I could have told you what the Cubs were coming into this season. Uh, the Brewers losing the Dodgers, not surprising at all. Reds had to go on the road to Atlanta. And uh, the Cardinals, now Cardinals, they were they choked big time. So, I don't know. I didn't think it was a pathetic showing for the Central, uh, at least on the NL side. Well, I'm focused on results, Jack, and uh, I don't <laughs> see any Central teams out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about some of these matchups. So, we can start with the... Let's start with the National League side, okay? Let's talk sure. about something locally here. This is a big story, especially here in Chicago. The Chicago Cubs out in two games to the Miami Marlins. And Jonathan, if you worked for the Cubs and I said, you can have your pick of any National League team in the spring of 2020, I say, Jonathan, Cubs are going to play any National League team you want in the playoffs. Who would you pick, and why is it the Miami Marlins? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. I mean, you know, the the quote that's been going around, uh, the video of, uh, I think, one of the Phillies uh, broadcasters, analysts, talking about how disappointed they were after the first series of the season when they played the Marlins, and uh, he referred to them as bottom feeders. Uh, and that's that's what everybody thought of them, and uh and so they definitely would have been the, the team that you want to face. Um, and then especially if you narrow it down to just, you know, the seven other playoff teams, they were definitely the, uh, the, the team that you want to play against. And um, so it was, it was pretty sad for the Cubs to kind of have the, the most ideal matchup at home uh, <laughs> and not be able to really come up with anything. It was one run in two games, right? Yeah. Um, pretty, a pretty sad showing. Um, and, you know, I, I go back to my, to what I said during the off season, I did not think that, uh, David Ross was the man for the job. And, you know, he, he kind of showed a little bit of, uh, inexperience. He showed uh, a little bit of an inability to, to manage a team just to, to build up, you know, the, the kind of focus, uh, that's required to win a three game series. Cause winning a three game series is not an easy task. You know, you, you really have to be, you know, you're at most two games away from losing the series at any point. Yeah. So it was definitely um, a tough thing to, to watch the Cubs go through that. Um, so, and, you know, I don't think that this is going to be something that sparks a big positive change for them. I think it's really going to be a, um, a really a harmful thing to happen to them. And it's going to uh, just continue them to a downward trajectory. Jonathan, the Cubs have a very interesting offseason ahead of them. This is exactly the team that I thought they were uh, coming into the season. They surprised me by winning the division, but truly, if this was a 162-game season, I don't think the Cubs would have won the division. They can't generate runs. We saw that in two games in the playoffs. The core of this team that really they, they probably should have traded at least one of these guys a year or two ago, they've stayed the course with them haven't produced they haven't given the Cubs really anything to be excited about didn't do so this year it was a 
pretty pathetic showing. And I think that this winter, it's going to be time to start selling off some parts and breaking up the team. Blow it up. I am in support of that as well. I was not last off season because you know, I thought these guys had the ability to turn it around, but I am all for blowing it up right now. You can get a lot of value for these you know, name brand, household names. So um, keep Baez and get rid of everybody else. I think that's the, the move here. Oh, no, I would not keep Baez. He was atrocious this season. And I think what you saw last year, second half of last year, carried over into this year. The guy isn't seeing any good pitches anymore. He's not a guy that you can really base your whole lineup around. He's a beneficiary when he's hitting in front of a guy like Chris Bryant and he's seeing a lot of fastballs. But when he does not get good pitches, he doesn't have the plate discipline to lay off of pitches off the plate. Uh, I would not. I think he's a guy that you trade. I think the one guy that you keep, Anthony Rizzo. I think Anthony Rizzo entering this will be his age 32 season next year. So he'll be going into his age 33 season when his deal's up. You're not going to have to pay a whole lot for Anthony Rizzo. I think you could sign him for three or four years, and he's really been the face of this franchise for the entire last decade. I think he's a great guy to keep. He does so much philanthropy work in the city of Chicago. He really loves, seems to love Chicago. I think at this point, just see what you can get for those guys, their contracts, Bryant, uh, Schwarber, and Baez, all those contracts are expiring at the end of next year in addition to Rizzo's. I think that uh, you see what you can get for those guys. Rizzo's a good guy to just keep around as a face of the franchise and maybe towards the end of that deal, if he wants to get a chance to play on a competitor, if the Cubs aren't good at that time, you uh, you trade him maybe at that point. Yeah, I just think that the whole city of Chicago will go up in uproar if, if Javi ships out. He's uh, won the hearts of a lot of fans. I mean, I think Rizzo he lost well, some this year, though. I think that a year ago that would have been much harder sell, but I think people have uh, been disenchanted with him and a lot of these other guys after this season. Yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe that's a good point. And I'd love to see Rizzo stay in Chicago. So I, I'm not against that. But uh, I was on the, you know, when all the Chris Bryant rumors were floating around, I was on the keep KB train. But yeah, uh, he stinks. <laughs> the, 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 it was just a tough showing for everyone this year. So honestly, I wouldn't say that. Traded, you got to get a lot of value out of these guys. Yeah, Chris just seems like he's not happy here anymore. He doesn't, he seems fed up. He doesn't seem to be enjoying it. There's a lot of rumblings from the fan base. People have wanted to trade him for a couple of years now. And I think he kind of feels sort of on the outs from the fan base and from the city of Chicago and from the franchise, too. Uh, that doesn't excuse the way he played this year. But uh, one other thing, I don't think he likes playing batting in the leadoff spot or playing left field. I think he just wants to be a third baseman all the time. And I think he'll perform better in a situation outside of this one. But And I think you can still get a lot for him, at least just one, maybe two, you know, one top 50 prospect just to get something rather than losing him a year from now. Yeah, I, uh, I'm on board with him being traded. So they, they've got to think about the future now because they do have all these expiring contracts. So I think this is the time to blow it up while you still have, you know, a lot of value. There is a lot of value in those players. So they could really set themselves up for a good uh, rebuild and maybe not even a full rebuild, um, but just start investing in the future. They could also keep Wilson Contreras potentially a little longer because he's on his contract for another year after all those guys run up. 
And I actually would like to see a situation where Wilson Contreras plays a position such as left field rather than catcher all the time. I think his hitting, he could maybe move up 20 points on his batting average. We've seen a lot of really good hitting catchers play other positions or move over to first base to extend the length of their career and get that bat in the lineup more often. There might be a little more there that the Cubs haven't tapped into quite yet. Yeah, you think he's got that kind of defensive ability? I mean, I'd love to see that. He's he's quite athletic. He's got a good arm. And I mean, if you trade Schwarber, I think, you know, you could stick him out there left field. Yeah. Just don't trade Hendricks because I just got his jersey before <laughs> I moved out here. So. Uh, <laughs> Hendricks got extended. I think he'll be safe. But uh, yeah, yeah. And I felt bad for him and Darvish, especially Darvish had a Cy Young caliber season and once again didn't yeah. get any run support. Yeah, that was pretty sad. He It was pretty cool to see him turn around this year. Um but it did not, yeah, the offense was just not behind them this year. Give the Marlins credit. That team can score runs. They have some nice veterans on that team, like Jesus Aguilar. Corey Dickerson uh, slammed a home run. Big three-run homer, I want to say, later on in the game two. And their young pitching staff, and we'll we'll talk more about this as we when we later when we preview the league or the division series, but that pitching staff is one to keep an eye on with Sixto Sanchez, uh, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez. All three of those guys really have electrifying stuff and are a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you know, people just play harder for Derek Jeter. You know, this is kind of <laughs> how it works. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Sixto Sanchez, by the way, and hey, this is credit to Derek Jeter on this trade. The Phillies traded Sixto Sanchez for two years of JT Real Muto. Not good. Not a good trade. Yeah, no, it's uh it's definitely interesting. You know, JT is still, you know, he's a he's a beast. He's one of the top catchers in baseball, but uh Sixto Sanchez, great surprise for uh for the Marlins. So um yeah, I'm I'm in support of anything that Jeter does that's positive. So uh like given the Yankees Stanton, you know, that was a <laughs> I was okay with that as well. So, but no, yeah, it, it is true. It, it is ended up being a, a good move, and you know who knows how much of that was just kind of luck. But, um, but well, yeah, Sixto it, was it, a top it, fifty Marlins, prospect at the time, so pretty good deal. Yeah. No, yeah, it's a it's a nice return. So, businessman, well done, Jeet. JJ, were you keeping an eye on this Cardinals Padres series? One of the few games from the round that went to a game three. Yeah. Um, I was able to watch uh, bits and pieces of, of all three. So the first game was definitely surprising to see, you know, San Diego really uh, just not be able to, to do much offensively. So that was kind of where I was, you know, I, I was sold on them this whole season. You know, it was so much fun to watch them just rip the cover off the ball. Um, so I was a, definitely a little shocked after that game one performance, but it was, it was really fun to watch that go three games, I thought that the Cardinals were just going to be, you know, the, the team that they are, the, the not very fun team that knows how to win, <laughs> um, especially after that game one. Not a very fun game to watch, but uh, it, was, it just kind of seemed like the you know, typical Cardinals going to find their way to the NLCS somehow. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it was really, really fun. Um, so there were was, there was some awesome moments in that series that, uh, that really stuck out to me. Yeah, that was a big-time choke job from the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals will tell you, however, they're just happy to get to the playoffs and get through the season. They played something like 
53 games over the course of 45 days or so. Something ridiculous. They had to fit so many games in down the stretch. And they ended up coming out as a playoff team. They finished above 500. So you got to give them credit. I think they sort of gassed out their... Uh, One could say that they were gaining momentum, but I think they also were just starting to catch their breath there around game two, game three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was... uh... Flaherty pitched in game three, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty tough to watch. Like, you know, a really young guy have a very solid outing. Um, and just, you know, again, not, not get that run support, uh, which yeah. is, which was, it was just unfortunate because I thought that he really brought it and he could have been, you know, the, the one to kind of bring them, uh, past these, you know, hard hitting Padres, but, uh, this, the, the offense did not, follow suit behind so um yeah you know I really wasn't I was just kind of watching the Cardinals a little bit just in the standings it seemed like are they going to make the playoffs are they not and you know they they managed to to squeeze their way in there um at the end of the season and that's kind of I thought all that they needed they just need to have like the door slightly open and they could make a little Cardinals run but uh yeah it was uh it was Definitely. I was, I think I was a little bit surprised after the one game one to watch them just implode and, and not be able to feel the deal. Not very Cardinals like eh? no, definitely not. Definitely not. So maybe, uh, you know, I think their, uh, their time to be up. Maybe they do need to rebuild. I'm not mm, really sure what say the makeup no. of their team is right now, but you know, they've got, uh, they, they've got a lot of better, you know, Wainwright, they've, you know, they're still throwing him out there who, uh, he was, you know, he pitched, uh, well, I think until the end of that game, uh, or until the end of his outing. Um, but he was, he was fun to watch early in, uh, in that game too, I believe. Um, yeah. so they, and then, you know, they're, they're still throwing Molina out there who <laughs> he looks just, I don't know. He does not look well. He looks like a sick man. <laughs> I don't know. He just, he's aging poorly. That's all described him. <laughs> The Cardinals, um, it's their MO though. They have a, always have a mix of young guys, older guys, and guys somewhere in between. I think the Cardinals are fine. They'll be right back next year in the hunt. Yeah, they they're a good team. Like it's good for baseball, I think, when the Cardinals are there because they're absolutely um, they're they're never they're never the the sexiest team out there, but they just know <laughs> how to win and they know how to win right. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to see them go against uh the Padres like you know, very opposite team as far as team optics go. Yeah. The Padres win their first playoff series since 1998. What a story there. Yeah. So it was so cool to watch them just uh, uh, become uh, really a juggernaut this season. Um, And even though, you know, they don't have their uh, top two pitchers right now just because of – injuries uh their their lineup is just so lethal that they can they can beat anyone they can put up runs against anybody so it, it's really cool to to watch that and watch them go from irrelevance for a very long time to uh to one of the top teams in baseball totally and another matchup we saw in the on the national league side really two really exciting games to track i missed the first half of both games cuz i was at work Pitchers duels in the Reds and Braves games. I'm talking Max Fried going toe to toe with Trevor Bauer and Ian Anderson, who made his first start on August 25th, 
his first major league. That was his MLB debut, and he's going toe-to-toe with Luis Castillo. Huge, huge key to the Braves' success and advancing. Those two pitchers carrying the weight and being able to equalize two of the National League's best pitchers, this Braves team lost. I, I wrote a whole piece on this. It's on jackvita.com about the Braves pitching rotation. There's a potential they could be trotting out four guys age 26 and under in the NLDS. Pretty wild. Yeah, no, that that's pretty incredible. And this was a this was probably the series that I saw the least of. Um, yeah, so it was on at like I don't, nine a.m. your time. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it was that was that was definitely tough. I was streaming games uh, during the the work week, and that was those were ones I was not able to follow a ton, but. Um, could you go a little bit into the uh, the Bauer game? Uh, I I was disappointed to see him, you know, not get a win. I I like that guy a lot, so that yeah. was, uh, I definitely wanted to see him do uh, do something cool. Totally. So Bauer and Freed, essentially, I think Freed went maybe seven and two, or set, he went seven innings, and Bauer went seven and two thirds. Neither allowed a run. It was a true pitcher's duel. It was playoff baseball. This is the stuff that I love to see in the playoffs. I would much rather see these iron giants taking the mound and going pitching deep into games rather than the bullpen uh, relievers taking over and coming in and out for the whole game. It's good for baseball when you have stars going deep into games, pitching deep into games. These were really good games. And so that game one ended up being scoreless through 12. The Braves ended up taking the win in the bottom of the 13th. Freddie Freeman knocked in the game-winning run off a Reds reliever. And uh, really, I mean, the Braves have an outstanding bullpen. So there's a lot of confidence that they have when they're able to turn that ball over to the pen. Reds have a really good bullpen, too, with Michael Lorenzen, Amir Garrett, and... Uh, Raziel Galacius. I thought those teams matched up extremely evenly, but it was not the the Reds' offense didn't show up at all. Yeah, the literally at all uh, zero runs. Yeah, um, that that's pretty bad. <laughs> You're not going to win any games like that, um, and that that's disappointing. But uh, I think that they're just kind of. You know that this is the the Braves. They're they're a team that you know they they could be a great face of baseball with uh, Acuna and Freeman. You know those two yeah. guys uh, anchoring their lineup. So it really was uh, you know since they were able to put up you know really not a ton of runs, only one run game one, five game two. You know it's uh, it really though in my mind it seemed like it was their uh, series to lose as long as they could get Bauer kind of you know, out of the game and they didn't do anything against Bauer, but they were able to touch the bullpen. So that's, uh, that's great. And I, I really like watching this, this Braves team. I love Freeman. He is, he is the man ever since I heard him mic'd up at <laughs> maybe it was the 2017 all-star game, something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I thought he, yeah, he, he's a great guy. So it's, uh, they're, they're very fun to watch. So I'm excited to see what they can what they can do. I think that they should be able to handle the the Marlins. Yeah, we'll get to that. And finally, maybe you got to see a little bit of the Dodgers and the Brewers. Uh, Not too much to talk about from there. Those games were on relatively late for me. But the big one, the game one of that series, 
ended maybe 10 minutes after uh, game two of the Indians and Yankees series, that really long Yankees and Indians game, which I'm sure you're watching. I kept thinking, oh, yeah, this this game will end. It started maybe an hour and a half before the Brewers and the Dodgers got going. But uh, that was a very long game, which we will get to. But did you catch anything of the Brewers and the Dodgers? Yeah, I did. Um, I I got to watch uh, pretty much all of, let's see, I saw uh, Jansen close out game one, I yeah. believe. Uh, so that was cool to see him getting pumped up. Um, so, you know, he, he's definitely a guy that if he's on, he's incredible. Um, he's, he's one of those super confidence driven. Uh, I'm the, you know, best pitcher in the world mindset guys. Um, so he, he was, it was fun to watch uh, there, but uh, I watched a lot more game two. Yeah. So you caught game two. I think I, I saw maybe a little bit of that, but really the main story, Dodgers didn't mess around. They rolled through the Brewers and the Dodgers have to be everybody's favorites to come out of the national league right now. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. The offense wasn't exactly what you would have hoped it to be if you're a Dodgers fan, but their pitchers uh, looked great. It was fun to watch Kershaw. That's I was able to see a lot of him uh, in game two, and he was just lights out. Absolutely incredible. Eight innings pitch, uh, three hits, one walk, no runs. Pretty pretty awesome. So he's, uh, you know, I think that this could be a good warm-up game for these, you know, much higher leverage games that are to come. Um, so I'm hoping that he's able to be an absolute stud this, this playoffs because he, he's a great guy, and it's, yeah. it's been a shame to watch, you know, him get tossed around a little bit in the playoffs in the past. He's also had some really great performances, such as the one that you just mentioned. And unfortunately, their shortcomings are always highlighted because the Dodgers have not won a World Series. So if they win a World Series, I know that some of the narrative is still going to exist, but it won't be hanging over his head quite as much because they'll have the ring. People might lay off him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool to see too how Mookie changes this team completely because now they've yeah. got a guy who knows how to win. So it's uh, it, it this I've never been as scared of the Dodgers as I have been this year, um, <laughs> just because I know what what a guy like Mookie does to your team. You know, you add an MVP with that kind of talent and that kind of experience. You know, he's he I think is the key to unlocking that that Dodgers team. So. Yeah, we can preview the NL series now, the NLDS, and then we'll move over to the American League side. We can start with this Dodgers and Padres series. The Padres, one of the big hurdles they're going to have to overcome, they do not have the same type of pitching staff that the Dodgers do. They have a staff that has quite some injuries right now, and Mike Clevenger might pitch. I saw something earlier. He might be on their DS roster, but... There was speculation, this is from Buster Olney and Pedro Gomez, that they may use him in a situation where they only get like an inning or two out of him. They might not be able to get a guy who they were expecting him to be one of their big-time playoff starters coming in these playoffs, at least when they make that trade for him back in August. Yeah, no, it is too bad because you're not seeing the full, see the, the best starters, but uh, I, I really think that their lineup can make up for it. So I think that these these could be some high-scoring games, um, you know, depending on what Walker Buehler and what 
uh, Kershaw, you know, at the top of that Dodgers rotation is able to to do to them that it's going to be, it's going to be incredible. Cause you're, you know, Tatis and Machado, those two guys are two of the best hitters in baseball facing off against, you know, the Kershaw, who's, you know, probably the best pitcher of the past decade. So it's uh it's going to be some incredible matchups. Um, some of the, the stars going toe to toe and they're, they built up a lot of beef too. So it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be really fun. It's going to be intense. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that, uh, pitching is not what ends up, uh, you know, losing the, the Padres this series. Yeah, I think I would go Dodgers and four, maybe Dodgers and five, but the Dodgers, I think this is a rite of passage for the Padres. They're coming in as a new team on the block, and unfortunately for them, they have to run into this buzzsaw of a Dodgers lineup and really pitching rotation. They have the most complete team in the National League. They're going to be the toughest team to beat. Now, it does help that it's a five-game series, so maybe they get hot and they're able to do something like they did to the Cardinals, but I just I can't really see them coming out of this series with the win, but it will set them up extremely well for the future, and especially for these young guys to get this playoff experience here. Yeah. No, completely. I think that they should be happy if they can get it to five games. Um, but I definitely am picking the Dodgers here and hoping that the Padres can pull, you know, uh, just anything out of the hat. And uh, if they were to be able to advance, I think it would be a great story for baseball. So we'll see. I'm definitely rooting for the Padres. All right. On the other side of the National League, we have. The Braves and the Marlins, another one of these interdivision matchups that you highlighted when you came right into this show. This is an interesting matchup. Uh, uh, no one expected the Marlins to be playing for an opportunity to be in the NLCS coming into this season. You have two extremely young pitching staffs that have no experience whatsoever. Uh, the last round was their only playoff experience. For everything I've written, I wrote about the Braves. You can check out that column at jackvita.com. But, yeah, the Braves could be using here past Anderson and Freed, Kyle Wright, and then Bryce Wilson, two guys who are age 25 and under. And then on the Marlins side, they have just so many young guys as well on their pitching staff. They have the same type of situation. I have to give a clear edge, though, to the Braves' bullpen and their just batting order as a whole. And In fact, I, pr- I would give an edge to the Braves' rotation, too. I think that what we saw out of Freed and Anderson, if those guys can get hot, it's helpful that they're playing teams like the Marlins and the Reds that haven't done anything in the playoffs in a long time. Uh, for them to kind of build a little confidence and momentum to go off of moving into the playoffs, gain some experience. If they do go up against the Dodgers in the NLCS, which I think they will, uh, but this is good opportunities for both clubs to be in this spot. I have to give a clear edge to the Braves, though. Yeah, I think that you are uh, representing the rest of the baseball world with that view. Um, you know, I, I don't know too much. I don't know too much about either of these teams. You know, I really just know the stars on the Braves, and and I just know that the the Marlins are a team that you know that shouldn't be here, uh, but they're you know they're the only ones in the room that think they should be here, and that's you know in a five game series that kind of confidence 
especially when you're playing against a team that also is inexperienced, you know, it's really going to be who wants it more. And, you know, it's definitely, you know, it's looking like the, the Braves are set up better to do this, but I, I wouldn't be too surprised if the inexperienced Marlins are able to, you know, beat the inexperienced uh, Braves. So, so we'll see. Yeah. I think I would go, there's a good chance the Braves sweep here, but I, I think maybe we'll call this a gentleman's sweep. Maybe uh, Kyle Wright gets a little rattled in Game 3. You can't expect these starters to all be flawless uh, the whole way through. And then maybe Game 4, you see Bryce Wilson or potentially Josh Tomlin. And Bryce Wilson only pitches like four innings and they end up using the whole Braves bullpen. And these Atlanta Braves move on to their first NLCS since 2001. Yeah, that I. This is the one series that I would be pretty confident with going with a sweep on. So. Yeah. All right. Now let's get to the American League side, Jonathan. You mentioned the Chicago team that plays in the American League, the White Sox. That was the only three-game series on the AL side. Some there were some good games, but also just some crummy series as well. Uh, this one was a good one. It came down to three games, game three. And if this was a seven-game series, it could have gone the whole the whole way to seven. I think those teams were pretty equal and even with each other. The White Sox, unfortunately, done in, in my opinion, by some managing decisions that I would not have made by Rick Renteria pulling Dane Dunning extremely early in game one in the first inning with two outs runners on first and third. What'd you think of that move at the time, JJ? Uh, you're talking about game three, right? When, yeah. Uh, game three. Sorry. Yeah. So this one, I, I wasn't watching closely, but I was kind of following what was happening and that, yeah, that exact move was just pretty shocking. Um, you know, none of the, none of their pitchers went more than two innings. Uh, so just the kind of the inexperienced bullpen management, I think really is what did them in. Um, and it was, it's too bad because they were such a fun team to watch, but that, that move was definitely shocking, uh, to, to many in the, the baseball world to see, uh, you know, just that, I think they threw nine pitchers out there. Um, yeah. but the, just the hook was, was too quick. Um, you know, none of these guys were able to settle in, um, and, I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think that they had really done this this season, you know, where they did like a full kind of bullpen day like that. Yeah, I don't um, think so. So when you when you throw guys out there like that, you know, there there's the human aspect of it where you got to have guys prepared to do something like that. So that was, yeah, I, I agree with you that that is kind of what did the, the Sox in, in in that decisive game three. The trouble with bullpenning, it's great in principle, and it can work for teams. The Rays have done extremely well with it, and I'm sure we'll see more of that going into this next series that we'll talk about. But the big thing is that when you have a pitcher who just settles in, he can cruise for six, seven innings. Now, when you bullpen, you're counting on six or seven, and in this case, nine different guys to all pitch a perfect scoreless frame, at least not for the, sometimes you come into a playoff game and the moment's too big for a guy and you see it. Sometimes they walk guys. They just don't have it. And you end up instead of having someone settle in, you end up, 
I think getting a little reckless and driving the car a little too fast with some of the bullpen changes that are made. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. There's so much value to having that, uh, you know, that starter who can go far. Like, I mean, you know, you saw it game one, like Giolito was able to go uh, seven something innings. Uh, and like, that, that's just, that's the recipe that, that works best. Um, and then your bullpen you don't want to have to rely on your bullpen. Your bullpen is something that, you know, is able to finish off the job that uh, the, the starting pitcher was starting. And so, yeah, when you're instead, when you're relying on your bullpen to get nine innings, that's, that's not what they're designed to do. Um, no bullpen is nine men deep. That, that's that's yeah. the thing. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it starts falling apart. Um, and yeah, unless you're like the Rays and have a ton of experience doing it, it's, it's tough to pull off. The other thing I was thinking about the Sox is I'm like, okay, obviously they're in a situation this year where they could use another starter or two. Next year, they're going to have Michael Kopech. They have free agent money, so maybe they make a run at Trevor Bauer. Could you imagine that? Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. <laughs> but you have a situation here where, in my opinion, this is a prime opportunity for Dane Dunning to get an experience starting an elimination game in the first year of his career. I mean, he was brought up just a month ago back in August. Well, I guess a month and a half ago. But the thing is that it's kind of like what the Braves are doing. They're just turning over the keys to young and inexperienced guys. And if it doesn't work out this year, fine. They're going to be set up better in the long run. Yeah. No, I'm... I'm really glad that the Sox were able to have this experience because it's going to be something that, uh, you know, all these guys needed this to understand what it takes in the playoffs. Um, so I, I, you know, I feel super optimistic about this team going forward because um, they tasted it, you know, it was their first taste of postseason uh, baseball. And so it's, they're going to be, I think they're going to be one of the favorites to win the AL uh, next year. Totally. Yeah, and I guess the other thing, the other problem I have with that decision, in addition to everything we've talked about, so if the Sox let in those two runs in the first inning, it's the first inning, the Sox have an extremely potent offense that can quickly score runs. They left, I think, 11 men on base that game. Uh, because they've put themselves in so many opportunities to score runs, they still ended up scoring uh, like four or five runs, right? It was, uh, they're right in that game. But yeah, I just, I think that was managing too aggressively and getting a little too nervous and overreactionary. Yeah, uh, that's where you wish you had Ozzy Gian still out there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Miss that guy. <laughs> Jonathan, I know you're excited to be able to talk Yankees. Uh, game two was one of the most wild games I've watched in recent years. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been waiting for this. Uh, uh, you know, I've got my Aaron Judge jersey right next to me. Um, <laughs> it was it was incredible. It really was that uh, that game two. You know, especially after game one, felt like a little too easy. Like things just went too perfectly. Um, with Cole going deep, giving up two runs over seven, uh, and just the offense exploding. So that, that game too felt a lot more like, 
you know, playoff baseball where it's a, it was a real nail biter, but yeah, game went back and forth. I believe it was the longest nine inning baseball game ever. Um, wow. And it was, yeah, there were fireworks all around, you know, going <laughs> back and forth. Um, just, uh, the, the Gio Urshela grand slam, that's something I'll never forget. Uh, they're down four one. Uh, and it, I don't know if it was the fourth, the third or the fourth inning and, and Urshela goes yard for a grand slam to take the lead. So that was incredible. Um, and yeah, the, the, the eighth and ninth inning were also spectacular. So, um, <laughs> it, it really was a special, uh, two games, uh, that could not have been more fun to watch. And with that, the Cleveland Indians have now lost their last eight playoff games going back to 2016 or sorry, going back to 2017, 2016, as you recall, that was the last time they won a playoff series. 2017, they had that two games to nothing lead on the Yankees, similar to what we saw in game two. They completely (laughs) choked then. They completely choked this time around. And now I'm just starting to wonder about them moving forward. Obviously, a lot of talent. They have a great manager. But, I mean they're starting to kind of revert back to typical Cleveland sports where <laughs> you just start to wonder, do they have it in them? Are they actually going yeah. to win these games? <laughs> no, I, I think they should probably relocate their baseball team to, uh, to break this, <laughs> this, uh, this curse, but no. Uh, and I remember that 2017 series so vividly. Uh, that was beautiful. Uh, the Yankees coming back down to nothing. And the Indians, that was the team that won, like 22, 23 straight games. And they really blew that, you know, just yep. being one of, one of the favorites. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, especially that it was that ninth inning, um, uh, the other night in game two, when they had a, uh, they had a one run lead and their reliever, Brad hand, uh, just, you know, there was a, what it really was, there was a tough chopper um, and he, you know, made an error on the play, was not able to get anyone out. It could have been a double play, uh, but he wasn't able to, was not even able to get one guy out. So yeah. it was pretty embarrassing as, as soon as that happened. Um, you know, the Yankees got the bases loaded uh, and then got a sack fly in and then got the game winning run in. Uh, thanks to DJ LeMayu. So uh, it, they, they had the win. They could have pushed it to game three, um, but they decided to not win and to give the win to the Yankees. So I was grateful that they did that. Um, and yeah, it was, it was pretty sad though. If I was an Indians fan watching Brad hand, you know, and these guys are great athletes, just watching him just absolutely uh, just buff that, that ball. It just, came right to his hands and he just dropped it. So, uh, yeah. I was actually FaceTiming your brother while we were watching that and we were going nuts. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was, it was pretty awesome to, and there were also two misplays by Delano DeShields Jr. in center field that game too. Right. Right. There was a, there was a, uh, uh, what probably should have been a relatively easy out that he just misread ran forward when he should have been running backwards. Um, I believe, I think Hicks hit that one. Um, but yeah. yeah, they they really just blew that game uh, themselves. So that was. Uh, but I mean, also you got to give credit to Urshela. He really had the game of his life because he totally uh, he scored the tying run 
just going backwards on what happened. He scored the tying run or the winning run. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and then in the bottom of the eighth, he also uh, had an incredible diving stop uh, to turn a double play um, that limited the Indians to only one run. Um, so the, or they, they only went up one. I don't remember if they put up two in that inning, but Herschel with an incredible web gem of a play. Then he also had the grand slam uh, earlier. So he was the man that really won that. Um, and it was <laughs> awesome too, because he uh, was a former uh, Cleveland farmhand. So uh, just oh. kind of had been sitting behind uh, Jose Ramirez, you know, his, his whole yeah. career. So that was really cool for him. It was like his revenge game. So pretty cool <laughs> to watch that. We had another AL Central team typically choking. This is a common theme, just kind of looking at some of the teams in these playoffs. The Minnesota Twins have not won a playoff series since 2002. Yeah, which is hard to believe. <laughs> hard to believe, considering, especially you go back to the 90s with Kirby Puckett and they won a World Series. They played in a couple of World Series back then. Jack Morris, they just were an awesome team. You would not have guessed that this is what they would become, that they would go this long without a playoff series win. But here they are. They did it again. They had a lead in game one against the Houston Astros, and Jorge Polanco tried to look cute on a double play ball. He ended up goofing. He botched that play really bad, and it ended up paving the way for the Houston Astros to end up scoring multiple runs in that game. And from that point onward, the Twins were playing from behind, and they never recovered. Yeah. You know, the, the twins are just overrated, man. And they have been for the past three years, I would say. So, uh, it, I mean, it really doesn't make any sense how they keep losing in the playoffs. Cause they have such an incredible, uh, lineup, you know, that, and, and it really is, uh, they're a fun team to watch. They hit dingers, but they hit dingers against bad teams, you know? So, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of funny as a Yankees fan cause the Yankees have beat them twice. Uh, in the past, I think four years in the playoffs. Um, but they, yeah, they, they really blew that game one um, with that error. Uh, and the Astros, they're a team that, you know, if you make mistake against them, you, you know, give them a foot in the door, they, they're winners. So they, they know how to execute. So uh, you gotta, gotta tip the cap a little bit to the Strohs for taking advantage um, and striking uh, when the opportunity was there. I don't really feel like tipping my cap to the Houston Astros ever, for that matter. But I will give them credit, that's for sure. Uh, The Astros, oh my goodness, are they going to now make a run into the ALCS? Stay tuned. We'll get to that in a short bit. But no, there are a lot of doomed franchise JJs in this sport. Reds haven't won a playoff series since 1995. Padres, Braves, and A's all picked up their first series wins in quite some time. A's last one, 2006. Been a while for them. White Sox, 05. Marlins, another one, 03. And the Twins, 02. So more than half of those teams sort of righting their wrongs in a way, winning games. And in the Sox and A's series, it's like someone is forced to actually have to win. I was waiting to see if uh, there was a way that both those teams could lose that series. But 
didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we also got to kind of look at this a little bit like participation trophies, just because half the league made the <laughs> yeah. playoffs, you know? So winning a, <laughs> winning a series, uh, in 2020 doesn't quite mean what it did, you know, before, but I, I think now yeah. we're at real playoffs. Um, yeah. but no, it's, it's, it is a good point. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of teams that have built up some losing traditions over the past 20 years. And I think what it takes in order to fix that is to bring in, you have to, this is under reported, understated in sports. You have to shed the culture of losing somehow, some way. And that's yep. hard to do. That's, I think something the reds need to do right now. And a lot of these other teams need to do. You can look around in other sports, that's why I think Joe Madden deserves a, a ton of credit for what he did with the Cubs. He entirely turned that team from lovable losers to really a cocky bunch that was, I think, maybe the overconfidence that they gained over time maybe did him in in the long run. But he instilled so much confidence in that club, made them believe that they could get it done, changed the culture entirely. And I think that's what a team like the Twins, they need a manager to come in and do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like them. They're, you know, they're, they are a fun team to watch. So I would like to see them make a bit of a run in the playoffs one of these years. So yeah, you know, get you get the right manager in there, it can change the culture. I, I totally agree. Who do you think the man for the job is? Well, I think they're going to stick with Baldelli for now, but I've definitely I think if they go 3 in a row next year and they're they're done, they don't win a playoff game once again two straight years without a playoff game victory. Uh go that carries over into next year. I think his goose is cooked. Yeah, and uh any team will be willing to eat that goose in a first round matchup. So <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, really, not a whole lot to talk about in the one series that was broadcast by TBS, which was the Rays and the Blue Jays. A couple of your divisional foes. I don't have anything to really take away from this series other than the Rays came in, they did exactly what I expected them to do. And I think they are the best team in the American League. Yeah, no, that I mean, I think that's that's exactly what the takeaway should be. The Blue Jays are not a playoff team, you know, <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> they're they're a playoff team because of 2020 being the way it is. So, like, um, it's just it was not a, a fair matchup, really. The the Rays are they. I feel like this is you know the 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 perfected version of their, their model, what they've been going for, um, you know, just having balanced lineup, um, killer starting pitching and killer relief pitching. So they're, uh, they put all that on display, uh, against the far inferior, uh, blue Jays team. So it really was not, <laughs> not, you know, <laughs> there's the, the future was kind of already decided there. Yeah. So now we have some exciting matchups. Before we talk about those matchups, one note, I mentioned the one series that was on TBS. I'm going to, I have one real gripe. I did not like that ESPN didn't send any of his broadcasters on the location for any of these series. They had them all calling it from a studio and some, like I saw Jessica Mendoza was inside of her own house. The problem with doing that 
And this is where I, I felt bad for the broadcasters because some of the broadcasters were catching heat on Twitter. It's like, oh, this was not a very good home run call, et cetera, et cetera. It's extremely hard to call a home run when you're watching it off the bat on a TV screen, the same way that we are watching it. They're not in the park, so they're not seeing the way that ball is flying out of there. So I think they all did the best that they could, but really a, a poor decision by ESPN. I think that they should have capitalized on that and sent the broadcast crews to each series. It would have been pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty funny. You definitely noticed that on some home runs that were pretty close. <laughs> we're surprised. Yeah. Like, oh, like it made it out. Wow. <laughs> it's just like that's not you know when when you're in the stadium, you get to watch it and you you know the suspense builds as you you can watch it and you feel it and you you're describing that for the fans <laughs> at home, whereas they were just had the exact same view that we did. So there's really no no point in even having them there. <laughs> So I will stick up for the broadcasters. They did the best job they did. And I'd say uh, three out of the four broadcast crews that we saw did a very good job. (laughs) I think the one, there's one that shall remain nameless. I think you know who I'm talking about. One uh, color guy (laughs) who may have played on the Yankees at one point. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you can really call people color guy these days, Jack. (laughs) <laughs> color commentator <laughs> oh, okay okay um, no yeah I, I, and i unfortunately was not able to listen to a ton of the commentary just because i was watching while working um but uh yeah i'm excited to hopefully be able to listen a little more see who's uh who can do a good job from their basement but it's funny like <laughs> as i was watching yankees this year the yes network um they had paul o'neill in his basement in ohio and they were just making all these jokes <laughs> And oh, he was just there for comedic relief because he really couldn't. He didn't. He didn't provide a ton. He was just cracking jokes and uh, um, so it's, You can. You're. It's. Uh, it's something that can be done well and done right, but uh, yeah. you have to have a little bit of, of experience doing it. Yeah. Well, I think baseball. It's. I think it's an even tougher sport because you're watching the way the ball flies in the air. There's certain things that you aren't going to pick up on through a TV screen. But hey. Props right. to those guys. They did the best they could. I'm just, I will say though, I'm glad that ESPN only has a wild card round. Let's get over to Fox. Let's get our TBS going with Ernie Johnson and everyone that just does such a fantastic job on both those networks. It should be a lot of fun. In the American League, we have the Yankees and the Rays. Well, let's let's save that one. Let's build a little suspense. The one we'll get to before that, Astros and the A's, the AL West clash, and it would really be, I think, a stain on these playoffs. First of all, Houston Astros should not be in these playoffs for two separate reasons. You know why that is, JJ? Yeah, did they they finished below five hundred? Were they five hundred? They were not good. Yeah, they were below five hundred. You shouldn't. You don't win. You know, you got to come out above five hundred at least to make the playoffs. That would yeah. be an interesting rule if they wanted to do this whole like we'll have eight teams or whatever. It's like, well, but you still got to finish above five hundred. If you don't, then seed number one just gets a buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a, that would be a good rule. It's like, yeah, you, we can have up to eight, but you got to earn that. 
<laughs> you have to actually yeah. have a winning record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, everything that they did in the past, I think a, a proper penalty would have been similar to what we've seen in college sports where they say, hey, you know what? You can play all your games, but you do not get to host. You don't get any playoff games for the next two years. Yeah. At least one year. You're disqualified from the playoffs. So the Astros, that I think is a much better penalty than taking away a championship banner or something that, well, yeah, you could strip that from them. It doesn't change the fact that it actually did, in fact, happen. Right. No, I I completely agree. I think that we had talked about this because I'm a soccer fan, and they do that in uh, in soccer. If you're caught cheating, like they'll they won't let you compete uh, in like the Champions League. Uh, and the same thing happened with Ohio State. Remember, like yeah. seven eight years ago, um, USC and, too. Yeah, USC. You know, Miami. It, there's definitely great precedent to it, uh, and it works. You know, it it stings for the fan base. It stings for the players. Like. It makes you learn your lesson, and the Astros did not have to learn any lesson this year. And here they are making the playoffs below 500. So yeah, playing exactly. playing on the road, but also not really on the road because nobody's on the road these games. So yeah, and that's uh, another thing. Where where is this ALCS or ALDS series? Because I know some of them are at the Astros Park. No, so these ones I believe are in Arlington. So these are okay. Uh, these are where the Rangers are where yeah. they play. And then yeah. the Yankees are playing against the Rays in San Diego. So fortunately, okay. Um, yeah. It's a little so bad. are the NL or I thought someone was, Oh, maybe it's the next round. I thought some series was at minute made. Uh, no, I think that they chose teams that are not in the playoffs to host, um, or at least in the opposite, uh, league. So, uh, I'm like 80% sure about that. So, All right. Let me look that up real quick. <laughs> I know One I'm on second. the record saying that as I'm on the <laughs> podcast, but I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. <laughs> the A's and the Astros are playing out in Los Angeles, and the Braves and Marlins are playing in. That's good. Yeah, that's great. But, yeah, the the Astros, it's just, I think it would be a huge stain on Major League Baseball for the Astros to be in the American League Championship Series. I think that, for the most part, they've gotten lucky that a lot of these top teams are still there. No one really got knocked off uh, in some really shocking fashion. I was a little scared that we were going to have something such as the Dodgers lose I, I didn't actually think the Dodgers would lose, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. And so to have the Astros in there, I think would be really bad for the league. I think that that would take a hit ratings wise. Uh, maybe some people would think that the Astros would bring on the ratings, but I just think that for everything that's good in the sport of baseball, the Oakland A's need to win this series. It would be so great if they just can put an end to this thing. <laughs> Amen, Jack. I completely agree. The entire baseball world will be rooting for the A's this series, and not only because they hate the Astros, but because uh, they, and when I say they, I mean fans, Yeah. Uh, they know how much the A's hate these yeah. Astros and were hurt by them <laughs> through the whole cheating scandal, you know? They had to play the most, and so uh, it is going to be, I'm so excited for this series. I'm just as excited for this series as I am for the Yankees' race. Uh, just because of the amount of bad blood that has been built up 
over the past few years. Um, the A's absolutely hate this Astros team. Um, they like that they occupy the Astros occupy their minds one hundred percent, and the and the Astros for you know for some reason they hate the A's like. They have no re- like the the Astros are a bunch of burglars. You know, it's not like the A's did anything wrong to them. Uh, so it's it is going to be very intense. Uh, I think that the best case scenario is we get the A's winning this uh, in five on some you know just in some incredible fashion uh, just to watch because uh, you got to experience the the lows for the highs to be sweeter. You know, yeah. I don't want to a three game sweep, you know, <laughs> well, it would be satisfying to, uh, you know, be able to rub their face in the dirt. Uh, it would also be awesome to watch the, you know, Astros think that they have a chance to get back to the ALCS and just, uh, have it ripped away from them. So, <laughs> so one of my group texts, and I'm sure he's okay with me sharing this story, Jordan Mortandini, a fixture on the podcast. He's been on here more than anybody has, and we have a group text with some of our buddies from college. And in it, someone wrote, I think actually he wrote, screw Houston. He wrote, screw Houston. Every <laughs> single guy in the chat liked it or loved it. And uh, then Connor Ennis, another guy who's been on this podcast, he said, finally something that we can all agree on. <laughs> I think that's a good <laughs> metaphor for the other 29, the fans of the other 29 teams in baseball, if Houston were to lose this series. Yep. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are, where you're from, the, uh, you know, male or female, the color of your skin, your political party, everyone hates the Astros. (laughs) Outside uh, of Houston. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of Houston. Everybody except Chad (laughs) Vaughn. Oh yeah. So it's going to, it's, I'm so excited for this. Uh, I want to see them lose. I'd love to see the Yankees beat them as well. So I wouldn't be too sad (laughs) if the Astros advance, but um, the A's, I think they're the team that it would be uh, the most beautiful to watch them overcome. Cause you know, they're the little brother and it's fun to watch the the little brother uh, take out um, the big brother. So unless it's the Rays and the Yankees. You might remember my uh, preseason pick. I had the Astros and the Yankees in the wild card game, and no one believed me when I said that I didn't think either team would win their division. I had the Rays and the A's, and uh, I'm going to go with the yes, yes. I'm going to go with the A's in this series. I think they, with everything, look, I I'm sharing my thoughts on all this stuff, but I think I'm pretty objective and unbiased, impartial when it comes to baseball, at least. And I do think the A's have a better team this year. It showed in the regular season. The Astros were a below 500 team for a reason. Now, obviously, in the sport of baseball, these things can happen. All you got to win is three games. So maybe the Astros do end up sneaking in there. But I think that the A's are going to win this series. It'll be a good revenge series. The A's Finally got a playoff win under their belts. Finally. It had been 14 years since the last time that happened. I think they're going to come in extra motivated for everything that happened with the Astros in the past. I think we see the A's win this series in four. I think that maybe the Astros take game one with Zach Greinke on the mound. But I think that, I mean, clearly the, the A's have had a much better offense over the course of the season. I'm going with the Oakland A's, baby. Nice. No, I love it. That's that's a great pick. Um, 
I, I'm pretty torn. I think it's going to go five games. Um, I feel like the, the injury to Matt Chapman uh, for the A's is like that could be, you know, just as one of their leaders. Yeah. Him being gone, that yep. that could change their uh, demeanor a little bit, you know. Uh, and this, this Astros team, they do live in their head. So, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, just because I have to, like pick a team. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go with the Astros, but I'm very 50-50 on this. So I just think that the yeah. pros experience uh, could end up paying off here. So we'll see, though. If the if the A's are very fired up, which they most likely are, they could definitely win this. They could win it in four, but I think it's pretty split. So I'm going to go Strohs just based on their experience. Did you notice in that A's-White Sox series, especially in Game 3, it seemed that every hard hit ball that the Sox were not scoring on was hit directly at Tommy LaStella. Tommy LaStella was there to catch everything for the A's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the game, too, <laughs> I remember there was one in the, uh, I don't know if it was the eighth or ninth, just like, you know, you, you make great contact and high hit probability, but there's a guy there to catch it. So LaStella, <laughs> great guy. So, <laughs> yeah. It was tough for the Sox. They, Ran into a little bit of bad luck there with him. Oh yeah, a lot of bad luck. Tommy Lastella, maybe he keeps it going. Maybe, uh, maybe he's the guy who's got a good luck charm there. That, uh, and that's what the A's need. I mean, the Cubs haven't yeah. won a playoff game since he left, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that's hey, it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's oftentimes it's something tiny like that. It's just it's just a spark. So <laughs> maybe he's their spark. So I hope so, man. I don't want to see that. Astros do anything else. And one other thing that would happen if the Astros were not allowed to play in this postseason, it would keep them from, I mean, if you're a free agent, you don't want to sign with a team that you're not able to play in the postseason with. You want to go win a championship. So that would, that would really hurt them in that regard. Yeah. So, so who would have made the playoffs? Just really quick. I was just thinking who would have made the playoffs over the Astros? Would it have been the, the Mariners at, yeah, the Mariners at 27 yeah. and 33 would have made the yeah. playoffs. <laughs> oh my goodness. That would have been that that I think that would have been worse. A team uh was that six games under 500. Uh that would have been uh that might have been worse than having the the asterisk in there. So <laughs> Well, Mario would be pumped at least. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> he would have. He would have. I don't think that he really even would have loved that. That would have been like, this is how we're getting back to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, our final series. This is probably. I would say this is going to be the best series out of them all. I think this one's going to five. It's the AL East clash: Rays and Yankees. Two phenomenal pitching staffs. Two phenomenal bullpens. Two phenomenal batting orders. I think these are the two best teams in the American League right now. And the season, the two best teams in the American League were playing in the same division. This is, in my opinion, I think the winner of this is going to the World Series. So this is kind of like the real ALCS. Yeah, I I think that's a very fair view. I, I do agree that uh, both these teams are better than the A's and the Strohs. Um, the Rays, they're they're a special team this year. You know, I, I gotta give them credit there. Um, they are they're fun to watch. You know, they're they really um, 
I feel like they're, they're no longer like winning the division uh, made them no longer the little brother um, in the Yankees minds. You know, the Yankees are very, uh, they're a very prideful bunch. Uh, so they <laughs> still see them as the little brother, but the Rays in their heads have, you know, already eclipsed the Yankees. So uh, there's going to be a lot of pride on the line. Cause it's not, I don't think it's just the Rays thinking like we're going to beat our big brothers. It's a, they finished, I think, seven games ahead of the Yankees in the AL East. So yeah. it's it's two very prideful teams, two teams that um, they they also hate each other. There was uh, uh, some of the games earlier this season. Um, I'm not sure how much you were paying attention to that, but uh, one of the great quotes from the Rays manager after uh, Chapman had thrown up and in on a few guys, uh, he was really angry after the game and talking the press conference saying, you know, we I've got a stable full of horses that can throw 98. Uh, and, and that was in reference to, you know, like throwing back at Yankees pitchers. So, uh, there's a lot of bad blood here, um, which makes it, you know, just as fun, I think, as the A's Astros series, uh, as far as rivalries go. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we can get a little bit, I'll let you guide this how you'd like to, but I know it's going to be incredibly fun. Uh, and I'm definitely scared, um, of this race team. Yeah, you mentioned it. I think the Rays, it was big for them to get the division title this year. I remember last year when you came on this podcast, you were talking about how the Rays just kept getting shellacked by the Yankees in every season they played. And I remember last year, you weren't concerned about having to face the Rays at all if the Yankees had to do that, which became a real possibility when the Rays took the Astros to five games last year. I think that's huge for them. Now, how did the teams match up face head to head this season, JJ? Oh, the the Rays destroyed the Yankees. They were uh, yeah. eight and two against us. So wow. the, the Rays had our number. You know, a lot. Some of those games came when uh, you know, the Yankees were in the midst of their funk. Uh, they had a really interesting year this year. Um, they had a five and fifteen stretch, um, and so and there were a lot of injuries at that point. So. Some of that is due to injuries, so uh, but still, you know, eight and two—that's that's absolute domination. So, um, but also that what we've seen at least in just two games so far from the Yankees uh, in the playoffs, this is a different team. So I don't think it's you know the same team, same mindset that lost eight to two. And part of the the pride I was talking about with these Yankees, the Yankees like I don't think that the Yankees players are scared of the Rays. They're just like, yeah, we we weren't trying in the regular season like that. That's literally their mindset right now. Uh, and they, they didn't really, they're like, yeah, they beat us, but um, you know, we were not concerned with the regular season. That, that was the view of these Yankees. Uh, so they could still be underestimating the Rays, um, which I think if they were to lose the series could, uh, could really uh, cause the Yankees to, you know, hit the, the drawing board again. But um, yeah, it's, the Rays absolutely on the Yankees this year. All right, Jonathan, it's time to give a pick. Where are you going? I I have to think you're going to say Yankees in five. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. Um, and I'll tell you all the reasons why it probably yes. should be the Rays in five. Uh, okay, and it's because Let's hear it. the the Yankees pitching depth is not it's not really there. They've got Cole. We can win game one uh, against. It's probably going to be Snell. Um, 
but Tanaka, you know, he playoff Tanaka is a different uh, animal. He's got like a something like a two five career playoff uh, ERA. Uh, after that uh, last showing, he kind of got beat up uh, by the Indians. Um, but so you know, Cole's going to do great. Tanaka, I don't think is going to do great. Jay Happ is going to be uh, the game three starter most likely, and he gets. Uh, the, the Rays hit lefties better than any team in baseball. So not very optimistic about that. And then after that, our next option is Davey Garcia, a rookie. So starting pitching front, I'm concerned with the bullpen is thin. You know, we don't have the bullpen. We once did. Uh, it's really just Chapman and uh, Britain and Chad green uh, that are, you know, shut down pitchers. And then after that, it's, it's, it's thin. So it's guys that you've never heard of basically. Um, and then uh, the the lineup is streaky, but they, you know they're confident. And when the the lineup is on, they will score more than any other team in baseball. So uh, it probably adds up on paper to raise in in five. But uh, I I have faith in the the bats and the Bronx Bombers. So I think <laughs> that we can uh, can out slug uh, this this raise team and and get a win. So that's that's why they should lose. But I don't think that they will. <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very fair point. I'm going to side with the race here for the reasons that you mentioned. But I think, as you said, I mean, look, the Yankees are much more battle tested. Now, truly, the Yankees, I mean, the Yankees haven't made a World Series since 20, 2009. So, I mean, yes, they are more battle. T- they have they have more playoff experience, even though they haven't won a league championship in about as long as, I mean, the Rays won in 2008. So it's been about the same amount of time since both teams made it to the world series, but obviously Yankees have been there more. They've been more, they're a little more experienced. They have more veteran guys. So I completely understand that. And they also have that fact that they are the New York Yankees and they hold that over the little brother Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to go with the Rays, though. I think that this is going to be a series where we see everything. I think there's going to be one game where maybe the starters deliver. I can't say that. I mean, I don't know if Tampa's starters are ever going to truly go deep. I don't know how deep you really will see one of those guys go, but you could get at least one game where it's a pitcher's duel between Cole and uh, Cole and Snell. I think there's another game where you could see both bullpens out there in the third inning. I think there's another game where you see nine runs on each side. So I think we're going to, and then another game where a team wins two to nothing. I think this series, we're going to truly see it all as we have the two most complete teams in the American league squaring off. Yeah. I I think uh, we're going to see more like there's probably going to be one or two like blow up, maybe not blow up, but not very close games where I think the, uh, A's throws, there's going to be a lot more like nail biter games. I just, yeah. uh, cause I feel like the, the Yankees are very hit or miss. Um, yeah, that's a good, good point. They're great. And when they're bad, their offense just strikes out a ton and, and they can, they can give up, you know, 10 runs in the game. No problem. So <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so fun. I'm so excited. Um, every day, Monday through Friday. So, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. 
It's going to be a great week. Jonathan, I'm so excited. There's just so much going on right now. And by the way, get to the listeners, Monday through Friday, baseball games on every day. Some days, four games, potentially. So it's it's a lot. And if you want to rep your team, go to jackvita.com slash fanatics. Pick up some gear from the Fanatics shop. They make really great t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, jerseys, all that stuff. Check it out, jackvita.com slash fanatics. And Jonathan, so much to look forward to over the next week. Is there anything else while you're here? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we kind of have to mention the fact that the NBA Finals are going on. But I also don't think anyone really cares that much. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pre-order so your guess... Lakers championship apparel at jackvita.com slash fanatics. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that. You know, uh, We'll see. I guess the, one of the games is going on right now as we're talking, but I don't think that you or I are really keeping up with that too much. Um, looks like the Heat are winning. So that that's happening as well. Um, but yeah, I think baseball is really stealing the show right now. So yeah. it's um, it's it's great. So I think that this has been great for the sport. Um, the 16 teams making the playoffs. I think it's great for just a one year thing, you know. Um, yeah. So hopefully this is something that can kind of build uh, more of a fan base as well. Ratings are great for baseball right now, and maybe this can uh, help them bump up even more. So I'm, um, I've been very happy with this outcome just for like the COVID one year thing. So yeah, uh, I've been very pleased with how this has gone. I agree. Same. I was totally against the idea of expanding the playoffs when I first heard about it. But then I thought a little bit, I'm like, all right, you know what? It does give an opportunity to some teams if they get off on the wrong foot, cause 60 games should never determine who's in the playoffs so i said all right you know what for this year it could be pretty fun and described it last week with chad as the most amount of fun that i hope i don't have again (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's it's well said so uh we'll see i think that the winner of this year there you can't take anything away from them because they went through an even even longer playoff uh than any other champion has before so it's definitely going to be great to watch so um well unless it's the astros you can are going on yeah that's true no we will definitely take it away from the astros if uh, if they they go off with it i am backtracking on everything that i've said if that ends up happening i will completely flip my my view so um (laughs) yeah but uh, i'm excited to watch these games we'll be texting jack so yeah uh, for sure looking forward to it All right, Jonathan, thank you so much. Great job on the show today, and I'm sure the listeners will look forward to hearing from you sometime soon in the near future. All right, thanks for having me, Jack. Have a good one. What an awesome job from Jonathan joining me on the podcast tonight. By the way, there was a different guest who was originally scheduled to be on the show with me today. And unfortunately, something came up. He wasn't able to join me, but he should in the future. So stay tuned for that. I won't reveal who because I don't want to jinx it. But we're going to have some great episodes coming up. We will have a NLDS recap at the end of this week. NL and ALDS recap. And we will also preview 
the league championship series as we get those matchups. I'm so excited to just be enjoying all this baseball. I hope you're all doing well. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe to the Jack Vita show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will do so much good, so much good for this podcast, guys. I would appreciate it very much. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Vita Show, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Get in touch with me on social media and read my latest column at jackvita.com. Once again, thank you all for listening. I will be back next week. Have a great week. Keep staying positive. Keep trusting God. We will get through everything that we're presented with right now. And until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>